That was Heinz, whose actual name was Heinz Burt, in a single produced in 1965 by Joe Meek entitled Don't You Worry, Baby. And um, Jeff Goddard is uh, on the claviline in the background and is so wonderful. But the um, heartening element of the song is that it connects, at least in my own um, little associative um, open door, God willing, to something uh, outside of myself. The song and the theme within myself that it elicits is one that I hope you'll uh, be able to identify with, at least in some way, and it's the theme of defeat. It's the theme of overwhelming defeat in the world, and um, he, uh, you know, things aren't uh, looking so good now. The sky is turning to gray, but don't you worry, baby. And his uh, consolation is the um, presence of the woman that he loves, and I would identify with that as well. But I want to um, talk a little bit about defeat, uh, actually, um, with hopefully a light touch in the light of heights. But more, um, in a slightly more grave manner, in the light of uh, John Milton's extraordinary end-of-life composition, Samson Agonistes. Now, um, let me just say for myself that I regard uh, or experience the current phase that we're going through um, here as a larger entity within a country. I experience it as a kind of defeat at the end of a period of startling efflorescence and hopefulness from a religious point of view. Now, you may absolutely climb on me with that, and I'm not being more specific. All I'm trying to take, uh, as a preacher always really ought to do, needs to do, to have an effect on the congregation and the hearers, is to... um, Notice that I'm afraid to say his. I mean, even there, I was afraid to use the masculine pronoun. I was sort of, uh, instead of saying there, which I find so hard to do, from the heart, that is, um, I left out the pronoun. It's not a, a form of, a, a pro, the, my, the pronoun, the male pronoun was just canceled. Um, but the, um, the experience of defeat is something I feel very strongly. Now, you may say again, how in the world, I, this is a time of great uh, uh, victory because the terrible force and forces that have been uh, risking um, uh, the great hopes of Americanism, as I see it, you could say, have been fundamentally defeated and have revealed themselves to be um, such. And the whole world is coming down on forces that just yesterday seemed to have been triumphant. So this is a great triumph for the righteousness of God. I don't see it that way myself, but it doesn't matter. What matters is the feeling that I have of defeat and uh, uh, really uh, a drawing towards despair on the basis of what I see emerging and coming forth that you could identify with, um, you know, you could have identified with it four years ago. A friend of mine, um, four years ago, a very good friend of mine, who was an extremely ardent Tar Heel, because of the uh, 
Republican victory in 2016, <clears throat> simply could not bring himself to drive through or near, especially through his home state of North Carolina, which had gone away that he abhorred in that election. And uh, he went into a serious, almost at one point catatonic depression. He's a very fine, very what the world would call accomplished person um, and mature person. And he was so affected. So this could speak to him then as well as speak to me. But the reason it has power in this cast is because I feel myself defeated and somewhat surprised um, uh, by the um, uh, what occurs to me as the recrudescence of uh, forces that are opposed to things that I hold very, very deeply uh, to my heart that are, quote, that I am identify with, especially in a uh, shall we call it a traditional form of uh, of gospel uh, Christianity as I see it. So you don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat to identify. You felt defeat too at some point, and you may feel it now in other ways. Not only did we, have, have I experienced this, say, in the meta department, but um, someone I know very well and whom I love far away, an old uh, classmate of mine, has suddenly become, has been diagnosed with a very serious illness, and I've lost so many friends in recent years, and this is someone I really, really did not count on uh, losing, and now I find that he has a serious diagnosis that could, in fact, end his life from a human point of view. So that comes, and then and then Florida had a cold snap, and I uh, my f- f- tires were all flat. So in the middle of the night, I had to go to the 7-Eleven in the middle of the night in an area that I'm a little, you know, it's a little uh, iffy, the area where the tire pressure thing was at around like one o'clock in the morning because I had to get it done in order to take an early trip the following day and had to put air in my tires in Florida for crying out loud. And I'm not very good at that kind of thing. And um, I couldn't ask Mary to do it because the timing was so bad. And it's my job anyway. Why should I ask her? She does so many other things. So defeat, defeat, um, piling on a person, piling on you and piling on me. And I immediately, needless to say, thought of Joe Meek because in every song that he does, and this is certainly true in almost every song that he recorded <coughs> with his protege, um, Heinz Burt, um, has something very strange and odd coming into it, that, that message from the outside. Now, Let's just have a quick history lesson and then go back to whatever really is the hope within a, a, a feeling of defeat piling on. Uh, the hope um, comes um, in uh, really thinking about how John Milton, and I might add, probably not knowing the connection herself because that's not her field, Paula White who also seems to be going down this road. Now, you all know that there was a kind of a landslide victory of, um, of Puritan slash really Christian biblical evangelical forces in the year 1640-1641 when the parliament um, was able to overrule overwhelmingly and with absolute uh, unique uh, historically, it had never happened before, uh, uh, success, the reign of King Charles I, and establish a kind of republic in uh, England. And then there was a second landslide in 1649, slightly different, when um, under Cromwell, uh, Charles I was uh, um, torn down from his place of power and uh, was not only... Um, um, impeached uh, and successfully, but also executed. A terrible, 
they didn't have to go that far, but they thought they did. And um, then suddenly in 1660, only 11 years later, there's a massive landslide in the other direction in which the forces of uh, the, the forces of the, the, what we today might call the elite, the powerful forces of the former long-term centuries-long establishment um, came back. And with overwhelming um, popular support, as it turned out at the time, at least seemingly so, um, put the king back. It was called the Restoration, and King, what we know as Charles II, the son of Charles I, came back and ruled. And uh, all of a sudden, the people who had been in charge, Cromwell and the Puritans, the Pilgrim Fathers, as it were, were completely ousted. And they weren't just ousted, they were persecuted. And if you were a Calvinist minister in the Church of England, a, a law was passed that was so designed as to make it impossible for you, if you had a conscience and really wanted to do right, to hang on. And there was a great ejection in 1662 of um, evangelical Anglican vicars and clergy, Many hundreds of uh, clergy left and were uh, taken away, taken out. I had to leave, and uh, there was a the radical rebaptism and uh, a tidal wave of counter um, power to what had happened in 1640. And uh, we look here at John Milton, uh, a painting of whom dictating to his daughters. Paradise Lost, was painted by the Swiss, I believe he was Swiss, artist Henry Fuseli, and I've asked David Zoll to put it on the Mockingbird website when this cast goes up. And the blind John Milton. Now, John Milton then uh, retired to his home in Buckinghamshire, and he had been the Mike Pompeo of, uh, of uh, the Cromwellian protectorate. He was the um, Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs and was at the highest level of, quote, power, end of quote, let alone uh, brilliance and poetic inspiration and polemical Christian feeling. And uh, he then had to retire. He was not executed, but he had to retire in total ignominy to a little cottage in Chalfont St. Giles in Buckinghamshire, which Mary and I visited almost as soon as we got off the plane. On a, after our honeymoon to England, we were so interested in seeing it, and I'm such a fan. Well, um, Milton uh, dictated Paradise Lost, and people get all um, overly political about it. You can't politicize his poems, but you can. You you are entitled to know the settings, and you certainly know the theological questions he was raising. And at the end of his life, he uh, dictated um, Samson Agonistes, in which um, he, uh, you know the story, uh, he... Um, he sees a kind of new birth of hope in the extraordinary uh, action of the strongman Samson to bring down the god uh, Dagon, the false god in favor of the god of Israel. And uh, he's lost completely. He's blinded already. He's uh, um, attached to a kind of millstone where he works all day. He's in a terrible way, and he's still given hope, and he makes this astonishing gesture by which the Philistines are... Um, destroyed, really. Uh, so good wins. And um, it was stated, I think, earlier by Milton in De Doctrina Christiana concerning Christian doctrine, where he said, it is impossible to um, believe that uh, in the realm of God that good uh, is overcome by evil. It's, it's a stipulation that is really very controversial when you stop and think about it in terms of real experience. It is impossible to believe that good, it is, it is absolutely out of the question to believe that, that good is ultimately overcome by evil. And so he had to deal in his own inner, really, this is a genius we're talking about, not, a, not an A+, plus, but a very unusual genius. He had to deal in his last poem with the, um, 
the uh, complete collapse of uh, of the hopes. The we might it was actually called the lost cause. I'm not referring to an American phenomenon or historical event. I'm returning. I'm speaking of an English 17th century phenomenon, the lost cause, and he was completely um, defeated. And yet he put out this poem um, in which uh, there's a kind of new burst of divine inspiration and strength that comes to Samson and he defeats the enemy. He believed, Milton believed, that the uh, answer was not to accommodate yourself to defeat, which there were all sorts of latter-day Puritans and Church of England people, including Bishop Reynolds, the Bishop of Norwich, who wrote one of the prayer book's greatest prayers. Um, There were not many, but a few uh, uh, Puritan evangelical clergy who bowed the knee and sort of made, not in a horrible way, but made peace with the new um, winners. Um, There are many people who went to jail. Uh, Others uh, left, continued the great migration to the New World or to the Bermudas. Read Andrew Marvel, by the way, on that uh, in his uh, hymn, uh, poem, Bermudas. Uh, Others um, kind of just kept a low profile and, and others took new jobs. And uh, so many different people had different reactions. What about you? I mean, how do you react to defeat? I mean, somebody wrote me plaintively the other day. I had quoted Paula uh, in uh, something about, you know, stop going after people that don't like you and are not loving, don't love you, uh, with the conviction that someone out there is praying for God to bring them someone just like you. Stop going after someone who doesn't actually, who cannot be persuaded to love you or like you, and wait because someone is out there whom God has given the prayer uh, to pray for someone who is actually just like you. Now, someone said to me, "I wish, I wish that person would pray louder." <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant comment. I wish that person would pray louder, and I understood that because you know that's easy to say. A lot of these things are easy to say. It's easy to say that um, this is the preface to something, something better beginning. You know, God uh, closes the door only to open another. That is actually true in experience. Or God gives you a, a red light in order to give you a, at a different corner of your life, a different uh, walkway, a pedestrian's crossing to give you a green light. And that's actually true in experience when you look back upon it. But I'm talking about you and me, and I feel it very strongly right now in which the tendency is to feel despairing um, but you may have felt it four years ago, or you may have felt it 15 years ago, or you may have not felt it at all. Uh, it's not about the thing. It's about the feeling of the lost thing. And that's where you really, um, I read an article I'd written in 1969 that was published in the Episcopalian, and it was very good. It was about a young man, me, uh, considering whether the ordained ministry might be a possibility as opposed to an academic life or a life in one of the professions. And it was so dear. The article is so innocent and so really open and so questioning in a good way and and truly an open-ended piece in the Episcopalian by yours truly in 1969. And I said, oh my gosh, was I really like that? Wouldn't that be wonderful to be like that again? Defeat, there's a kind of shadow of defeat that hangs over everybody's life, you might say, with experience and loss, disappointment and disillusionment. Um, Now, Milton believed that there was a, um, that God would ultimately triumph maybe even after he died. He, he Instead of believing that he had to accommodate himself or rationalize the defeat, he kept a low profile, but he, I mean, I could say the same about my life in the larger Episcopal Church, which I haven't done enough of. A low profile is a good thing, because he believed that God would ultimately, as he said, it is unimaginable to believe that God will allow evil to triumph over good, however you want to define evil and good in relative terms. And he, um, 
He therefore believed, and he said very clearly, stated very clearly in Samson Agonistes, I read the poem when I was in the um, form five, the 11th grade at the school I attended, you're not allowed to say boarding school, which it wasn't. It's only partly it was. You're not allowed to say prep school any longer, but I don't really feel comfortable saying high school because it wasn't a high school. Anyway, we read Samson Agonistes in full in the fifth form at age uh, 16. Actually, in my case, it was age 15. And the poem is overwhelmingly triumphant about a future conquest of evil. And that really um, was what happened, because uh, I told you about the three tidal waves ending in the defeat of what I might call the forces of good within English Christianity in 1660. And yet, um, 28 years later, the Protestant Glorious Revolution took place without any bloodshed, no violence, uh, a peaceful protest in which William of Orange was invited over by English Protestant nobles to come onto the throne and establish Protestant Christianity as the official religion of England. And that was an extraordinary development, a sovereign development that people did not expect, and it had overwhelming popular assent when it happened. And there was no bloody, there was no battle, there was no uh, people executed, there was no uh, um, going out and um, hunting down your previous enemies and hanging them from lampposts. There was no vengeance at all. It was just everybody had gotten to the point when the uh, sense of England being a Protestant Christian country was widely felt, and uh, the other side had overplayed their hand under James II, and even the Church of England bishops refused to go along with the uh, the reactionary, um, in this case, Roman Catholic uh, attempt to recon to restructure England as a Roman Catholic uh, country, and. Um, all the things that Milton had believed and wanted, or almost all of them, were uh, redeemed and uh, came true. <laughs> Dreams do come true in um, the conclusion of uh, the year 1688. Now, that's to say that God is working his purpose out. And even though you are defeated, and we are defeated, whether in love or in life, um, God will, in fact, ultimately... Um, bring out his good purposes. And that's something, A, to believe that may be happening now, however you see things currently. And if you see things going very badly, as I myself do, then, uh, then that would give you hope for a, uh, a further, a further uh, movement later on down the line, maybe after I'm gone, but nevertheless enough to maybe benefit my grandchildren. Um, or uh, to believe that God is working in the here and now, which he is. I'm praying actively for President Biden, partly because Elder Fuller, the sort of senior warden of the church I attend on many Sundays, together with the Episcopal Church in Winter Park, Elder Fuller said, although he was disappointed, and he's a black man, he was just disappointed with the result of the election for reasons of religious liberty. He was also immediately and sincerely and with a good heart and a goodwill praying for President Biden and Vice President Harris. And I thought that was very powerful, very, very good. And I'm doing it myself. Now, that's what I wanted to say. Uh, Milton's answer and... Uh, Heinz's question uh, comes uh, into uh, power uh, in the conviction that ultimately God is working his good purpose out, and we just have to sit back, in this case, probably sit tight, 
quietly and gently and patiently and prayerfully and uh, wait on him. And I do believe that. And I'm not going to give up from that point of view. And I hope this has helped you. Love you. Someone for me